Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. New year, new me, new place, new monitor, just new setup in general, and thankfully I've been able to get the majority of the stuff set up in here with the internet going through and slowly unpacking the majority of the utensils and cooking and clothing and just furniture and everything just trying to sort things into a way that actually allows me to just walk around freely so I don't have to walk over mountains of random shit going around the hallways, but you know what, given myself a week or so, I'll probably be able to get the majority of that stuff done and make it feel a lot more homey, and at least in that case, make it feel a lot more natural and a lot more comfy. So, I hope you guys all had a happy new year, or at least just had something to go around or something to celebrate, considering that all of my plans kind of fell through the floor, and even though I was still able to have a relatively like good time to settle down and kind of enjoy a slower night with the family in comparison to other New Year's in comparison, it is still kind of a bummer that we're going through another wave with another mutant and another variation and another one to just kind of add to the list and kind of just hoping, ah, eh, well, maybe next year's going to get better. And it's like, mm. at this point in time, knowing what we've been going through as we are about to enter, you know, the third separate year that this is going to be showcased as an issue, this is just kind of something for me having the nihilist in me just saying, you know what, what happens happens. It might be able to get better, hey, it might not, and it might not get worse. So the only thing that we can do is keep moving forward and hopefully find something in the meantime to pass it and make it all worthwhile. But at least in anime news, it's definitely kind of a little bit of a back and forth, considering that, yes, I do remember that at least my previous episode did come out a little later, because I guess at some point in time I was thinking, okay, I'm not really going to have enough time to get this out on a regular schedule, but hey, if I decide to go and set this up and get it released on the 31st and call it just a New Year's special, or at least a New Year's Eve, to kind of be have a good highlight and cover all the stuff that I liked and disliked about the previous year, then hey, we can actually make that work. But that did mean that I would have to come back here and release an episode a little earlier just to kind of keep things up to date and at least line things up with the schedule that I'm going to have going for the rest of the month. So, at least in comparison, there is going to be a really interesting production coming out over the next several years considering that they are going to have a 50 to 52 episode run, four separate cores each being 12 to 13 episodes each. This is really going to be interesting, considering that Urusei Yatsura, Space Invader Lum, the classic and one of the most prolific rom-coms in the industry that just propped up and like led trends to go in years to come for throughout the entirety of the 80s, is actually going to be able to get this much of an adaptation. And it's going to be done by David Productions. Jesus, regardless of what they do, it always has to be something related to the past, considering that they've really been kind of like stretching out for the rest of it. They really want to go back in time and bring these things into the modern day and try and give itself a revival to actually bring new eyes to these products. And so it's really going to be interesting considering that this is going to be directed by the same guys that did JoJo's Part 4 and 5. And so I'm really curious to see how this is going to go considering that the first season of this multi-corp endeavor that's going to be happening over the next couple of years is going to start sometime this year. So if you honestly don't know what Irusei Yatsura is, or which is known in the West called Space Invader Lum, then honestly, you should really just not necessarily go and check it out, because it is definitely a lengthy project, and I know that I haven't watched, like, a majority of the episodes, only a handful, just to kind of see, like, one of Rumiko Takahashi's, like, early endeavors into the set of rom-coms to essentially, like, just line trends for years to come. I'm really curious to see how that's actually going to turn out. But in terms of something more modern, and something that currently has 
a couple of rumors floating around, but by the, by the end of February, it's going to come out to the West, which I highly doubt is going to be the case, considering that that rumor and that article definitely doesn't come from a reputable source. But regardless, at least inside of Japan, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is now the 80th highest earning film in Japanese box office history. And it's only 18 days into its run. Like, dude, it's uh, like uh, in comparison for, you know, out in the West, it currently it's running at 67 million US like in its 18-day premiere, but it is still like going on and it is already like broken like the previous year's record considering that in 2021 the highest grossing film would have been Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 and it's already broken that in its first like 18 days. Like it took Evangelion 4.0 21 days to get to uh 6 billion yen where it only took Jujutsu Kaisen 18 days to get nearly 8 like, it's absolutely insane to see, like, how the success of recent Shonen Jump adaptations have been essentially going through and making worldwide success and worldwide acclaim, especially with the distribution, now that Shonen Jump's like, whoa, wait, we can do this? We can, like, th these are so much more uh, profitable than they ever could have been for the rest of it. And so it's definitely, like, the producers over at Bones and then Ufotable, and now at Mappa, it's just kind of like oh boy, guess what we're going to be doing for the next couple of bits and watch this become a new reformed trend in the 2020s where it's just shonen uh, jump adaptations getting a lot of huge side stories and side movies that are at least going to be able to add, unfortunately, more work to the already starved artists, but it's definitely going to be bringing in the company a lot of money. Kind of, sort of, not really, considering that regardless of how successful the show is, that doesn't really translate as much success or money related to the studio unless they are legitimately on the committee or they're legitimately on the production table that ended up going through. Considering that, Jesus, like, even with Ufotable, like, coming out and releasing the Demon Slayer movie and seeing how much fucking money that got, it definitely didn't, like, trickle down towards the studios endeavors considering that that's not how the system works and it's like seriously like you're really not going to give you photo like any kind of bonus or pat on the back for them creating essentially the highest grossing you know japanese film of all time like seriously and it's like nah but that's how anime goes it's like okay well anime needs to fucking change and i really hope that's the case at some point by the end of this decade that something positive changes because i really feel like i've said in previous episodes where it's just going to be okay look it's either going to be with all of the international acclaim and notoriety that anime has gotten and cultivated over the past 10 years, if nothing positive changes over these next couple of years leading in towards this new decade, it's just going to be like, if this if nothing changes in the next 8 to 9 years, then anime is forever just going to be like this completely ridiculous sweatshop-esque production pipeline for the end of time. So I'm really hoping that's the case, because if nothing really changes over the next couple of years, then it's just kind of like, oh no, like it's going to fall more and more out of providence, and there's not really going to be much that we can do about that. But, in terms of other theaters, it's apparently AMC, with all of their newly acquired capital, and eventually acquires Sentai Holdings, which includes Sentai Filmworks, as well as their streaming service High Dive. 
So the acquisition builds on AMC Network's already strong IP and franchises and furthers their targeted streaming strategy of super-serving passionate audiences with content, depth, curation, and community. And so with the addition of Sensei, we see an even greater opportunity to build on the AMC Network's position as the global leader in targeted streaming. Highly doubt that's the case, but okay, you can be optimistic about that. As we continue to grow a sustainable and long-term profitable streaming business that will be transformable for our company. Uh, and in terms of AMC Network's interim CEO, Matt Blank. Sentai is not really the highest, like, on the board. It's on the board in, like, the top five, you know, streaming platforms for anime in particular, but it's definitely something that's not going to be catching up to Crunchyroll or Funimation. At this point in time, Netflix has definitely surpassed them with the amount of projects that they're going to be able to go through in green light and, like, set up for the next couple of years. And now the fact that fucking Disney is going to be coming into the anime streaming platform and the anime streaming race is really going to shake things up over the next couple of years, as long as they don't pull an Amazon strike. So we're really curious to see. But honestly, with the titles that Disney has been able to go through and what we're going to be able to see by the end of the year and see how Disney Plus essentially just translates that kind of success and that kind of notoriety to the titles that they've been able to jump onto the committee for and produce, I'm really curious to see how it's going to go. But... Well, now Sentai is a part of AMC, so the only thing that I can go for anything along those lines, because I can't really be a part of this conversation in particular, considering that AMC is mostly in the States, and up here in Canada we mostly have Cineplex, and we kind of just go through G-Kids and we go through Fathom Events if we're ever trying to get films, but it's like, yo, if these guys, with their titles, can actually go and set up like anime movie nights or anime marathons i'm really curious to see how now that they've actually incorporated that into their portfolio and kind of see what they're going to be bringing into the future in terms of actually bringing the titles that they have just acquired into the mainstream and now at least that we're getting into the new year with another slew of anime and another slew of projects and another like way Well, now that we're in 2022, and we've got a lot of projects coming into the woodwork, as well as some that are finally going to be making their debut, and some finales that are finally going to bring their respective series to an end, as well as new projects coming through with a lot of notoriety behind them to just kind of see how they're going to be able to succeed inside of the anime medium, I'm really curious to see how a lot of these new projects are going to be either received or to see what exactly they're going to be able to accomplish whenever they decide to come out, considering that the majority of these, we actually know when they're actually going to be having a premiere, but for some of them, we've already got a date. So, at least for the rest of this episode, this is mostly just going to be about the shows, the manga, the adaptations, the films, and just any of the projects related to this medium and how I'm excited I am leading into the new year, and I'm really curious to see how the majority of these are going to go. So, at least we'll just get started on at least the handful of shows that have been bled into the new year, considering that we've got uh, Ranking of Kings is going to be finishing its second... Well, this is always something that really I kind of, like, mess up and, like, flip-flop back and forth, where it's like, oh yeah, well, it's 24 episodes, but... That it's only a single core, and it's technically the first season, but now we're in the second half, so I guess the basis of it, considering that there is no break in between, is like, okay, so this is going to be the second half of Ranking of Kings' first season, maybe? Because we don't necessarily know how long the story is going to go, because at least by the end of this show's runtime, it's going to be catching up to the manga, but I don't know if it's a manga adaptation, or if it's just a multimedia project. 
But the only thing I can hope for, considering that, like I said in my previous episode, it was one of my favorite shows of the year, even though I came in way late and only jumped in by the time, like, episode 10 and 11 rolled around. But I'm really curious to see if this can stick the landing and either leave on a satisfying note or prime us with an incredibly suspenseful cliffhanger for whatever future endeavors they're going to be bringing. But I'm just really curious to see how that goes, considering that we know that we are going to get a definitive ending towards one of the largest, if not the largest properties to come out of the 2010s, which is Attack on Titan. I just watched the first episode of the second half of the final season. A lot of good setup, a lot of big things that are finally taking place, considering that the cliffhanger that it left us on after the first 16 episodes, they didn't really immediately jump onto it, except for, I would say, I was incredibly shocked with how the first minute went, but I'm really curious to see how this is going to be translating, and with the mixed things that I've heard of people, like, talking about the ending, I'm really curious to see if the involvement of the manga is going to be out and bring a positive change, or if it's just going to be something that is going to be streamlined up until the manga's actual definitive conclusion. Okay, but now we end up getting through a handful of other sequels that I'm really curious to going through, considering that Kaguya Season 3 is going to be coming out uh, in the next season, even though it's just, oh yeah, no, we literally are only about a week or two into the winter 2022 anime season, and you're already thinking about spring. It's like, if Kaguya is involved, then you're damn well straight that I'm going to be thinking about that coming into advance, considering that this is possibly one of the best rom-coms, like, in anime, like, period. Like, even when I was reading the manga, like, leading into it, and it's like, okay, I'm really curious to see how they go. And it's like, okay, well, how about we just bring on the director who ended up doing the, arguably, the best animated drama of this century. Like, just easy. No, like, <laughs> no cap. The fact that this director ended up doing Rakugo and ended up moving on from that to a basic rom-com manga, even though basic is kind of putting it lightly, considering that Akka, as a mangaka, has been doing a really good job with all of his titles, including Oshinoko, which is something that at some point in time I'm going to get around to, which is another deep-dive manga that essentially goes into the idol industry and everything surrounding it, but I'm really curious to see how I'm going to be able to translate that into moving into the new season. But I'm really curious to go through, considering that there is also another series that has been long due for a second season, after how it was able to accomplish a really good feat with most of its comedy, and sliding in a bit of drama and a bit of romance towards the end, so I'm really curious to see how Devil is a Part-Timer is going to make its comeback with its second season. Now, that's not going to be coming out until the summer of this year. We know it's going to be a different director. We know it's going to be a different studio. We know that it's going to be not the same as we were given all those years ago. But if there's anything that I can say is that it's for a quote-unquote isekai, but it's a reverse isekai where we actually have the fantasy come to our world, and that's honestly a really great subversion that was in the middle of the isekai boom that was essentially popping up in the mid-2010s. This was a really good job with a really good idea, and it was executed exceedingly well, considering how it was able to bridge the comedy, how it was able to bridge the relationships, and how it was able to like make everybody inside of the cast either a likable asshole or just likable. So it did a really good job. Comedy's really good. If nobody here has seen it, I would definitely recommend going through the first season. It's only 12 episodes. It's a really quick and a really enjoyable watch, considering that I'm really hoping that the second season is also going to be able to live up to those kinds of expectations and those kinds of enjoyable times that we were already promised in the first. So now, 
manga adaptation-wise. Uh, we're already getting started on that in this season, considering that Sonobisk Doll, or in this case, My Dress-Up Darling, uh, just recently had its first episode come out, and people are really smitten with Marin and Gojo, considering that it's definitely been a while since this was a series that I didn't really immediately latch on to in the first episode or two, considering that, or at least, well, not the first episode, the first chapter or two, considering that this came out at the beginning of 2018, and it wasn't really the characters, it wasn't really the designs or the aesthetic, it was essentially just seeing two characters bond over their, not mutual love, but essentially one for their love of traditional craft and sewing and artistry, and the other one who is essentially a model, but is also incredibly passionate about adaptations and cosplay and everything surrounded by the like. And seeing those two connect over their love for specific and unique hobbies and passions, but still wholly different enough to kind of keep them away for the majority of the time, but at least find some sort of nuance and connection between the two, which ends up like blossoming in kind of like a pseudo-relationship, but something that really helps them accept one another and their passions. And that was honestly something that I was really looking forward to, except I definitely know why a lot of people are going to be getting into the show, and I do admit that a lot of the fan service for this is definitely palpable in the sense that it seems natural because of how the cosplay essentially is going to be going up, but that was never really something that kind of dampened my enjoyment of the series. It definitely did come out of nowhere at some points, but it also did work in the majority of times, depending on the kind of costumes that Kitagawa was essentially going for. So I'm really curious to see, considering that at least in the beginning, there's been a lot of positive reception, similar to how uh, the first couple of episodes of Komi-san went in the previous season, so I'm really curious to see how the rest of the episodes are going to be faring, because this is Cloverworks, but because this is not original, and this is something that already has a pre-set uh, story and chapters and source that they can go off of, I would imagine I'll be able to give them a little bit of leeway, and I could definitely have seen them actually going through and having a good idea how to complete this series. But then for stuff that are going to be coming out in a handful of seasons later, we've got Shikimori-san, which is just a really heartwarming just tale of a blossoming and not really complex, but kind of basic uh, relationship between two characters, but it's really nice to see them just already being in the middle of that cacophony of just trials and tribulations, but also ultimately like how their love and their connection essentially gets them through all their problems, as well as long as how their relationships with their friends also pushes them forward as well. So it's it'll come out, I can't remember if it's spring or summer, but I'm really curious to see how people are going to be reacting to that as well. And I'm really hoping that it gets a decent adaptation, because it's, it's fun. It, it's nice, it's lighthearted, it's fun. I'm not really having any expectations for it, but I'm just curious to see how that's going to translate over the next couple of seasons. And then in terms of shonen titles, we're going to be getting Spy Family coming out, which has... Definitely, the action and the comedy is basically going to be hinged upon the directing, because at the very least, the script is already strong enough. Spy Family is definitely, like, a really strong new title that has definitely been making waves over the, over the internet in, in the same time that it was in the same, not really the same publication, but at least in this publicized in the same time as Chainsaw Man. And so it's doing a really good job currently with the arcs that it's, go, it's going on with now. And I'm really curious to see how whoever is going to be directing these episodes and how the script is going to be translated into how well they're able to establish as well as emphasize the comedy that the series is incredibly well known for. So 
really curious to see how that's going to go, but it's not, I know it's going to be good, I just don't really know how it's going to be adapted in terms of how the rest of the crew is going to make it. So we'll just kind of see. And then finally, a manga that's going to be coming through and adapted at some point this year. I honestly hope that it doesn't come out until fall so that everybody inside the production is given more than enough ample time to work and polish this. Because if there was anything that has enough hype and enough backing as well as excitement, general excitement towards this property and this adaptation in particular is going to be Chainsaw Man. At this point in time, now that a lot of time has passed, I can definitely like tone myself down on how much hype because that one week after watching that trailer every day for like at least 10 days straight and being like, oh my god, this is so hype. Oh my god, this is going to be amazing. Oh my god, Mappa is actually going to be able to give this the due adaptation that it deserves and everything. The style looks great. The music looks great. The action looks great. It's like, oh my god, just tone it down. Let's take about 20% off there. Because as much as I would like this to be a great adaptation, hyping this up, even though everybody else and their mother has been doing it as well, I'm just going to like keep it down and at least take it to an acceptable level. It's going to be good. Like that's like that's the thing. This is Mappa. They're doing the best that they can. This is going to be at the very minimum good, and that's all I can really hope for. Considering that this is really a new age of both shonen and shonen adaptations going through. Considering that two manga that I'm currently into now that haven't gotten adaptations or announcement yet, but like by the end of this year, I could totally see both of them just getting their due and finally have the chance to be adapted at some point in time in the future. And that's going to be Kaiju number eight and Dan Da Dan. Like both of them, like th this new generation of Shonen with Jujutsu Kaisen, with Chainsaw Man, with Dan, with Kaiju number eight, like all of these coming up, redefining how this Shonen set of tropes and ideas and action can now evolve into something else. Something that I would imagine a lot of people would say, oh, but it looks, oh, so you're saying it's edgier because there's more blood and there's more dismemberment and there's more like trauma for the rest of these characters to go through. It's like, no, it's not edgier. It's just darker. But with that darkness, definitely comes the opportunity for writers to actually go and try and see how they're able to meld these characters into something that can be brought into a different path and a different future. Something that's not as tied down as a lot of the previous shonen were coming out in the 2010s and the 2000s. So at this point in time, I'm really curious to see how those are going to be evolving moving forward, especially because a lot of the recent chapters have been absolute bangers, especially Don to Don. I'm really curious to see what the arc that we're focusing on right now and how that's going to end and how that's going to translate for the new characters that have been introduced. I'm just really curious and I'm really hyped to kind of see how this kind of goes through and evolves over the next uh, year or so. Now, film-wise, we've had... A lot of announcements and a lot of stuff like pop up over the past two months into essentially defining what's going to be coming out this year and what everybody is going to be excited for and has a little bit of backing. So at least something that I'm going to be watching this week, I'm finally going to be able to go back to the theaters and go through and finally watch Mamoru Hosoda's Bell, considering that it's finally coming over to the West and we're finally going to be able to have the opportunity to go see it in theaters, even though I already know that there are rips online, I know that the torrents have already been going through, and it's like, oh yeah, no, you can just go watch this, and it's like, I'll, I'll just stick to the theaters, thanks. But I'm really curious to see, because I don't really have anything major to say about Mamoru Hosoda's that I really like his early works, like The Girl Who Left Her Time as well as Summer Wars are definitely my two favorites in, in terms of his. I definitely am going to have to go back and re-watch Wolf Children, because I watched it when I was 18, back in 2013, and so it's just really, 
I, I now that I've ha- watched a lot more shows and have a different perspective on how that kind of direction, that kind of style works for that kind of story, I'm really curious to see how I'm going to be able to change my view, or if it doesn't change at all, or it might get worse. I don't really know, but if there was a work that I'm still just shaky on and hazy in terms of how my relationship with it goes, it's definitely Wolf Children would be the one that I'll have to go back and rewatch. But until then, I'm really curious to see, since that Bell is kind of like going back to his roots with our war game and Digimon as well as Summer Wars, and so I'm really curious to see how that modern day take more than 14 years later is going to translate into a new audience, because I've heard positive things about it, but I just can't necessarily get myself to be excited considering I know that my relationship with this director is kind of shaky. So we'll kind of see what happens. Now, like I said earlier in the episode, there was a rumor or at least an article saying that the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero film is going to be making its way over to the West by the end of February. I highly doubt that is the case. And we're talking about something a lot more realistic, especially with how quickly the turnaround for Shonen titles has been going through. Is It's definitely going to be something closer to like May or June into when that's going to finally make its way uh, like over to North America and just kind of see how that's going to translate. But regardless, I'm definitely going to watch it considering how much I enjoyed the uh, first season of Jujutsu Kaisen. And I'm really curious to see how the adaptation of this first volume of a pilot is going to be able to translate into something that apparently is getting a lot of like positive notoriety and a lot of success. So I'm really curious to see how it's going to go because I know that once the second season of Jujutsu Kaisen comes out, I'm immediately going to be jumping back onto the train, and I'm really going to be curious to see how that's going to go, since when it first ran, I wasn't a part of the weekly discussion that was going about. I only watched all of it after the first 24 episodes were done, but going on a week-by-week basis, I'm really curious to see how these new arcs are going to translate once they finally get adapted some point next year. Eh, We'll just have to wait and see. And then recently which I did announce on one of the previous episodes, that Odd Taxi is going to be getting a movie. I'm really curious to see what they're going to be adding, because we know that for the vast majority of the film, at least 60 to 70%, it is going to be recap of the events that essentially went on in throughout the original television series, which, if you have not watched it, go watch it. Johnny, I know you're listening. Go watch Odd Taxi. But at least in this case... I'm really curious to see how it's going to translate, and yes, there was room for something after the ending, but even then, I like the ending of the show was just such a fantastic way to cap off a ridiculously well-written and directed series, so I don't know. I'm gonna go watch it. I'm really curious to see how that's gonna go, and I'm really excited. And then kind of like this random, because I did talk about this one as well, where it was just like, okay, Netflix is releasing this casual, uh, anime film called Bubble, and it's going to be coming out uh, April 28th on Netflix, at least in North America. I don't know, like, worldwide if that's going to be the case, but it's just like, oh, you know, we're just, like, releasing this, uh, like, random uh, movie called Bubble, and it looks like a lot of parkour with a lot of bubbles in a post-apocalyptic setting. And it's like, uh, that's interesting. And, you know, it's it's also directed by Tetsuro Raki, you know, who did both Death Note and the Attack on Titan series. Um, it's also going to be written by Geno Rabuchi, who did, like, some of the most prominent, like, writing feats in terms of Fate Zero and Madoka Magica and Psychopaths, at least the first season, so nothing really to get hyped for, and the sound, and the music is going to be done by Hiroyuki Samano, and it's going to be animated by Studio Wit, who's currently possibly making the anime of the season for Osama Ranking, so it's like, it's, it's coming out, you know, it's, it'll come out at some point, and, you know, it'll be fine, <laughs> it's like, how can you get this like these a-listers like this absolute 
cacophony of talent and experience and poise just to come into like a single anime project and it's like you're just gonna casually gonna be it's like oh you know it's gonna come out in three months it's like i eh, know it's totally fine they'll, they'll it'll come out when it comes out it's like jesus i mean whoever you were on in terms of like getting the advertising out there really didn't like point out where it's like these guys are working on it you need to watch this and it's like oh my god Oh yeah, no, it's gonna be. Uh, I, I'll watch it. I'm I'm really curious to see how that's going to come out, and if it's just a complete like pop, or if it's just going to like fizzle and just not really anything's gonna come out to it. But at least the cast has got me more than enough like of an interest to go through and watch it. And I guess most recently, Suzume no Tojimari is finally going to be making its way into Japanese theaters at some point in time this fall, and it's going to be Makoto Shinkai's. Uh, most recent film, and it's going to be coming off of Garden of Wor- Garden of Words, sorry, uh, Weathering with You, that came out back in tw- 2019, as well as with Your Name, would that come out in 2016, and then Garden of Words in 2013, and it's definitely, he's definitely gone into that really, like, uniform schedule, where it's, now it's a project every three years or so. And so I'm really curious to see how it's going to go, because it was just like, Weathering with You came out, and that, like, towards the end of 2019, and then the pandemic happened. And then it was just, oh, yeah, oh, well, well, look, looks like we're going to quarantine. All right, everybody just go through. And now it's, we're still in the middle of that, but it's just kind of like, oh, you know, Bakoto Shinkai's like, but he's, he's still on his schedule. He's still on track. And he's just going to be putting out his next film at that three-year interval again. It's like, oh my God, I totally, geez, I totally forgot that you were like going through and making stuff. So, huh, interesting. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see. There's not really much in terms of news or plot or any kind of details relating to the film but regardless i know it's going to be something that i'm going to be interested in and what i'm going to be watching i like even if okoto shinkai never tops your name i would still be happy considering that at least with all the projects that he's been going through and working on over the last like decade he's still been able to do more than enough of his share of the task and doing like really good works and really good films and really good shorts and just like going through and having a really good set of chops when it comes to writing and directing and sound design and set design like just everything like he's he's an incredibly uh talented man like he's the experience that he's been able to go through and cultivate over the near two decade run of him actually creating stuff like this definitely shows his polish and i'm really curious to see how that's going to translate and how exactly that's going to be received towards the end of this year and so now i guess one of the last things that i wanted to quickly point out and talk about is that the one major release that we know is going to be coming out in the fall of this year for anime wise is bleach And for the first time since 2012, Bleach is going to be getting an animated adaptation of one of its seasons. And this is going to be adapting the Thousand Year Blood War. I only know that's the name. I haven't read the manga. Mm -hmm. I was still able to catch, like, the last 40 episodes of its run back when I was, like, briefly getting into... Or right at the beginning of when I was getting into anime. It's like, oh, yeah, interesting. So I'm caught up to this, like, long-running series. And even though I haven't really consumed all of it i've only done the soul society arc i've done the final arc when it comes to like aizen's final showdown and the final i can't even remember what the most or like the last arc that they ended up translating or adapting was called but i've seen a fair share of bleach but the thing that i'm really curious about and what i'm really going to be into what's going to be an interesting kind of moment inside of this time frame is that this is going to mark the first time in 10 years that Bleach, One Piece, 
and at least a part of Naruto is all going to be airing at the same time. And we are going to be brought back to the 2000s era of the big three. And of course, it's not really going to be the same, considering that Boruto is basically a spinoff, and it's mostly just going to focus on him instead of his dad. But there is going to be a point in fall of this year that Ichigo, Luffy, and Naruto are all going to have screen time in the same week. And it has been over a decade since we've seen that happen. And so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see those three like come back onto the big screen and just to kind of see like how that it's not really going to be make much of a difference. It's not really going to be anything massive that's going to change the landscape. But I really do think that is kind of a cool thing where the big three, the biggest shonen of that generation are finally going to have the protagonists on the same runtime and the same airtime inside of the same week for the first time in a long time. And as much as I would like to continuously talk about time, I think it's time for me to end this episode and kind of go through. I'm sorry that this was kind of a shorter one. Uh, I was in the middle of moving and trying to figure out the rest of my schedule for at least the rest of the month. But now that all of that is set up, the internet is going through. I finally have a decent bed to kind of let go and set up that stuff. Now all I need to do is continue to pack away all the miscellaneous stuff get a little bit of organizing and try and at least make some my, myself some space to at least go through around and actually make this a much more comfortable and just utilized living space. Because I think there's like a handful of things that I still need to get in terms of kitchen-wise, in terms of like a new, a new large pot, a new large pan, a couple of utensils, a couple of different things that are going to be going through at some point in time. The fridge is going to get replaced. Like there's just a lot of things that still need to go through before I feel comfortable and at home in this new place that I'm going to be living in for the foreseeable future, but at this point in time, I don't know. I'll work on it. I will definitely work on it. So, I'm at least for the next month or so, I've got uh, a good couple of projects planned that I'm going to be going through in terms of getting some episodes out for different ideas, but at least in this case, I'm not going to be alone. So, look forward to that, and cheers. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.